listening to the Derek Sante Podcast, the show that brings you insightful conversations about everyday topics. We just aim to keep the discussion above the average. Our guests are the ones bringing the social proof to the conversation. Let's get into it. I'm your host, Derek Sante, and today I'm conversing with my younger brother, but he's a different kind of dude. So we'll, we'll learn more about him as we go along. But this brother is a man of many, many, many talents. He's an artist, but I prefer to call him a creative simply because he's a visual artist, digital media creator, music producer, a beat maker, an independent music artist, a writer, and more. Now, one of the most genuine and honest people that I know. Uh, by the way, I also want to put on record um, to my guest today that you know, to to all the listeners to know that he is the person that actually blessed my show with the music that you all have expressed appreciation and love for. So thank you um, for that. Before I go any further, I just want to make sure I had that on the record. (laughs) So without further ado, please help me welcome my brother, Ashley July. Welcome. Oh, wow. Um, That was was quite an intro, man. I appreciate it. It's it's nice to be here. I appreciate it for real. Hey, hey, listen, it's going to be a good one. I I have a a really good energy about this one here. Um, It's been a long time coming. And Mm -hmm. uh, so with each show, I open with a quote. And then I want to get your opinion on the quote and what it means to you or what comes to mind when you hear the quote. Mm -hmm. So here's a quote I have for you today. Art is a <clears throat> art is a collaboration between the heart and the soul. The more passion poured into it, the greater the experience. That uh, to me is that's like the essence of of kind of what I do. That's the essence of being a creative. You know, it's like it's kind of the process of taking like your deepest, you know, your deepest feelings and everything that's inside of you and like making it into something. That's it. And I think that, um, yeah, that's that's kind of what I feel like the whole creative process is about, you know? Yeah, yeah. I find that artists or creatives tend to be private in certain situations. As far yeah, as, for sure. Yeah, like as far as putting certain things out to the public, you know, we tend to hold on to certain things and say, well, this one's not ready yet, but this one can go out. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure <laughs> you know and i feel like that's a part of the, the 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 soul that gets poured into it because we're not ready to let it go there yet we're not even finished processing what it means to us before the public gets to hear it you know exactly exactly and and for me like what that that whole soul thing like it's like that word i take it very seriously you know what i mean mm-hmm. like the soul it, it to me like the music when i when i make music or anything i do it's it that's the place that it comes from you know and mm-hmm. that's what i feel like you said when you put the, your heart and soul into it that's what what comes out of it for me what i get out of creating is like the 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 process of creating is when i feel the most like connected with my soul mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. and when i feel the most connected like it's almost like a like a religious experience. Like when I make like a, a a beat or something that just sounds a certain way and it just gives me a feeling, like to me that's like a it's like a religious experience, you know? That's what's up. That's what's up. <clears throat> so I wanted to have this conversation with you about not just your journey, um, 
but obviously get to learn more about you because I think your story is very unique, but it's also um, beneficial to others that are going to hear it. A lot of people can relate to different pockets of your story. Um, and so that's primarily a part of the reason why I want to kind of get you on the show. I want to get your story from Lawrence Heights all the way to navigating the music industry as well as your career in, in media. Right. So, um, but I want to start from the, the, you know, the community environment. <clears throat> now, how would you describe Lawrence Heights growing up? Wow. Um, honestly, I, I think it was, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of a, a, it's a double-edged sword, you know, in mm-hmm. a way. It, it feels like I was so blessed to be able to come from there and to be like just part of that community, be part of something that's like bigger than yourself, you know, and kind of like be around people that look like you and that come from the same places you come from. And like, there's just something that, that like that matters, you know, that matters. It's important to have that like basis, Mm -hmm. that sort of foundation, but it was tough. It was tough at times. I think anyone coming from where we come from or the places that we come from will tell you that it's never like it's it's a it's a it, it's a it's a really at times can be really rough and it can at times be sort of uh it can it can take a toll on your 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 spirit it can take a toll on your mental health just like kind of the the environment and some of the things that happen just like being sort of exposed to the real world at a very young age you know i think that that's kind of inherent in coming from certain places. Like you don't get a chance to not know about certain things or like, you know, you kind of are just thrown into the real world and you kind of just have to deal with it. And I think that that's, that's part of the, the blessing of it is that it prepares you for, it prepares you in a way for the world that you can't get anywhere else, you know? Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. but I think, I think that, um, there's a lot of like pain, but there's also like a lot of beauty and there's a lot of just like love and like camaraderie, like between friends and you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it, it was, it, I'm proud to be from where I'm from. And like people think of it and, and sometimes think of these sort of, of in the way of like, oh, you made it out or like you, and I don't think that any of us ever actually like make it out. That's like sort of a, to me, it's like you you survive it in a way, you know, you get you get to a different place, but it's always like a part of you. Yeah. And yeah, I I I think that that's some of the best parts of me come from there. But there's also I think a lot of us or everyone to me, everyone who comes from these kind of places kind of has like a like a low level of PTSD. Like we all have Mm -hmm. either experienced trauma or like seen it or like some people inflicted on other people and all that stuff stays with you. You know what I mean? Like we're all, we're all walking around with this and it affects how we move through the world. But I think that it, it speaks to the resilience of, of all the people like from the community that we can kind of rise above it and still, Mm -hmm. Mm. You know, still make something of yourself despite what the world tries to tell you about yourself. Yeah. If you had to if you had to highlight maybe a pro or a con um that might stem from, you know, neighborhoods like Lawrence Heights, what would you say that would be? 
Um, I think maybe the biggest con is just the lack of maybe awareness of the outside world. Mm. I think like we get so focused on where we are, where we're from, us versus another community or us versus the rest of the world that we kind of forget that we are also part of the world. Right. <laughs> you know, like yeah. we, we're not separate from it. Like we exist in it and we kind of have to learn how to function in the outside world to be able to, to sort of, mm. you know, like move forward and progress. Yeah. So I think that that is the, maybe the biggest thing is just that lack of perspective that comes from just sort of being stuck in this, not just like a geographical limitation, but kind of just like the, the, the mental limitation that comes from that. Got it. And the pro would be? The biggest pro I think would just be um, just the, the sense of kind of community culture resilience that, Mm. that you get, that you can't get anywhere else. You know what I mean? Like it's just even down to like, the words you use and the, the the places you know, the nicknames for certain places or like, you know what I mean? Even yeah. nicknames you call each other. Like there's just something about all of that stuff that it it informs who you become. You know, yeah. that's culture. That's yeah. culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. All the, the, the things that we sort of have just within ourselves, like that is culture. And I think that when you come from the places we come from, culture is the only real inheritance you have. Yeah. You know what I mean? We yeah. only we only get to keep our culture and everything else, basically, we all either never had it or it got taken away from us. You right. know what I mean? Right, right. No, it's true. It's funny as you're talking, I'm thinking we, we have our own language. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go into a different neighborhood similar to yours and they have their own language, right? And that's where when you look at the city of Toronto, you see... The, the spectrum of, of slang like it's it's just a wide range and that's yeah. how you can identify someone's from the east or someone's from the west or someone's from downtown you know or a little bit north you can tell right just based on the language alone so yeah you're right like culture is is extremely diverse even though you know you have a lot of congestion in smaller pockets and neighborhoods um you know who don't even recognize they're a part of a larger ecosystem so no you're you're, yeah. you're absolutely right with that now when did you discover um, basketball? Like, at what age was that sport, you know, prominent <laughs> in your life? Um, honestly, pretty much all my life. Like, when I, I've always, I guess, been like an athletic person, been into sports, but mm-hmm. basketball. I guess when we first moved to Lawrence Heights or to Jungle, um, my. It's just honestly, <laughs> it's like a funny story, but it's kind of crazy because like my brother and this guy ended up being friends later. But so when my family first moved to Jungle, there was a uh, my brother's friend had a uh, or he wasn't his friend at the time, but there was a basketball net at one of in the yard of one of uh, someone in my court. And my brother tried to go over there just like, you know, on a just on a humble, like trying to play because there's all the guys they were there when we first moved to the neighborhood. Right. And I remember him just getting turned back. I was standing in the yard, like all of us were standing <laughs> in the yard watching him. And we just saw him like silently get turned away. Like, and, <laughs> and he came back and he was just like, man, he just asked me like, yo, where are you, where do you think you're going? Like, you know what I mean? You're yeah. not, you're not one of us. You're not part of this community yet. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And so that kind of, that experience kind of made my dad, 
build us a, a net in our backyard. Uh, so we didn't have to go go play at no one else's yard. You know what I mean? Right. Like that was the kind of like that's always been the spirit of of my dad, the spirit of my family. It's like we're just gonna do it ourselves. We'll find a way. Like if we need it, I'll make it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so like my dad literally like got some wood, cut out a backboard, we painted it together, like, and it was that was just you know, it was just this thing that we didn't even have a basketball at the time. I started playing basketball with a, a soccer ball uh, that was like pump that we had left over because that was like the sport that, you know, coming from right. any third world country, that's like your first sport. Right. And so it's like uh, we we had we were playing with soccer balls. We didn't even have basketballs. But, yeah, it's just that that kind of sparked the love in me. And I was like, all right, like this is I'm going to just. I have access to this court and it's fun and right. I'm just gonna, you guys don't want me to play. You don't want us to play with you guys. I'm just going to stay here and just get as good as I can. I'm going to wow. be better than you guys. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, and that was kind of like the thing I'm like, okay, I'm going to get better at this than everyone else, you know? And I kind of just like, just fell in love with it from there. I probably was playing all day, all night making my parents mad, <laughs> messing <laughs> up my mom's garden. Like, yeah, just just all kind of stuff. But, but yeah, that's where I kind of fell in love with the game. Man. And it, it, it became, like, not just, like, a big part of my life. It became my entire life, you know? It was, yeah. it was what I was the most dedicated to. And, like, I'm the kind of person who, <clears throat> like, when I when I love something or when I'm passionate about something, like I get obsessed about it. So I was just at it, at it, at it. Mm. I would just be practicing. I would watch certain players, like obviously Michael Jordan growing up, but Allen Iverson, like Mm. Jason Williams. And I would watch players and just be like, yo, I'm trying to go do that in my backyard. And I had access to the space. And that's the most, that's like the biggest barrier into like growing up and becoming anything or doing anything at a high level. It's having access to, to the space to practice that, you know, mm. it's like Steve Jobs became Steve Jobs because he had access to computers before everyone else did. So he had time to practice and work on it right. and become a genius at it, you know? Wow. And so I kind of just, the, the fact that it was there, I just used it all the time. And I, it just took me, it ended up, you know, being a big, like I said, a, my, my entire life really, yeah. <laughs> up yeah. to a certain point, like I was playing basketball all the time, I, I it was all I thought about. Did you did you ever get to watch that that film um, Hoop Dreams? Yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorite movies. For oh sure. man, yeah, I, yeah. I, so when you watched that for the first time, what what mm-hmm. what went through your mind? <sighs> Looking back, honestly, now it's crazy because I think sometimes the most powerful stories are the cautionary tales. Mm. You know, sometimes the story of the guy who made all the right choices and everything worked out for him, sometimes that's not the most interesting story or the most beneficial story mm. or the most powerful story. Right. You know, and so that was one of the things I kind of took away from that. But just as a basketball lover to see like a documentary that sort of was speaking to us, that had people that looked like us mm-hmm. and were on the same kind of journey that we were on like that was that was huge it was just like man we we it was yeah it was it was a a, definitely a big moment for me seeing seeing that movie for sure yeah that that one that one hit different when I watched it I was just like damn yeah and it it 
as a as an adult, it it still it has a different impact. Yes. You know, you see it you still can relate, but it's from a different angle. And yeah. It, it it yeah, it's 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 kind of it's like anything nostalgic, you know, it's kind of bittersweet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you 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 reminisce on certain things and you love it, but then you have to accept that it's gone. Right. <laughs> you right know? Exactly. And that's sort of that that bitter, that bittersweet nature of nostalgia. And and so when you when you think about it, as we're talking about hoop dreams, what did you mm-hmm. want to or hope to accomplish at the time when it was, you know, your entire world, um, the mm-hmm. game? What did you hope to accomplish or want to accomplish with the sport? Um, honestly, if you asked me at that point in my life what I was going to be, I would tell you I, I was going to be a professional basketball player. Right. Like that was it. There was nothing else. There was nothing else I saw. There was no other like option. It was like NBA or bust, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like it, 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 yeah, that was kind of always my ambition at that point. And it's just crazy sometimes how life kind of, one, life will humble you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and two, uh, kind of will shift you in a different direction uh, when you least expect it mm-hmm. um, or, or kind of, set you on a different path that you didn't, you didn't see for yourself. Now, how, you know? how, but how do you navigate that? So when that shift happened for you, mm-hmm. how, how did you like navigate that? Cause you can easily fall into depression. You can, you know, you can go so many different ways with that. Mm-hmm. No, that, and that was, that was the major, that was a major part of it for me. That was a, the, like being depressed and feeling like that was a major part of it for me. I, I struggled, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. being honest, I struggled because it was like, it's like you're mourning, you're mourning yourself in a way, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. you're, you're mourning this identity that, that you thought was, was who you were right? or it was who you were, you know, like mm-hmm. you're mourning this, this part of yourself that, that you didn't see ever being gone or changing you know so it was for me it was it it was like I literally was in mourning and I couldn't you go through all this it was like I was grieving yeah you know and I grieved for myself I grieved for for what what was lost in a way Mm -hmm. but and it it was tough it was tough I went through some really (laughs) like it's looking back now it's like you know, you can kind of see it with some objectivity, but at the time, you when you kind of the moment, trying to pinpoint the moment where things change or where you lose hope, yeah, it's hard. You yeah. know what I mean? But yeah. I can, I can see sort of where I was and just how, to me, yeah, it it, it wasn't an easy process, and I can mm. see how it it was. I, it was a, a chance to grow for me, though. Yeah. You know, and so I had to look at it that way after a while. But it took me a very long time. And it 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 was hard. It was very hard to bounce back from that, honestly. Right. Like, it's, yeah. I can only imagine because I'm, uh, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about it. And I'm thinking, you know, you, you mentioned it. This is my identity. Um, and then when you're from a certain neighborhood, like, like Jungle, you you're almost told indirectly you're not allowed to change, mm-hmm. right? Like change is not something that you're supposed to to even, you know, adhere to because you're supposed to be a ball player. You're supposed yeah. to be the best and that's it. 
right? But if you decide to do something else, people can't recognize you for that. So then it's like, no, 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 you're not supposed to be doing that. You're supposed to be doing this. So I feel like a part of that pressure, um, and even though no one ever says it, it's almost like an assumed, you know, um, acceptance of identity, right? So we're going to accept this identity as our own and we're not supposed to grow from it. We're not supposed to evolve evolve from it. It's not allowed. It's a cliche. So when you hit the wall of, okay, this dream is no longer going to be the dream that I've had for all these years. Now what do I do? How do I navigate the same Mm -hmm. neighborhood that only saw me for this? You know, my peers are expecting this. These, you know, standards were set. No one ever said it, but they were set because maybe I was too good for that time or, you know what I mean? Like it's that mm. added pressure. So the depression is bound to come and hit hard. Yeah. And, and, and that's another major part of it is just feeling like, it's just like you said, people have these expectations of you and feeling like you're not living up to it or feeling like you let people down or whatever the case is yeah. when it's like, you're dealing with your own stuff that no one really understands or no one can see. And it just seems like, it seems away from the outside, you yeah, know? Yeah. And you're, I, yeah, those expectations are there for sure. And it's not just on, on, on athletes, you know, it's on all, it's on all the people. They have certain expectations and yeah. people sometimes end up internalizing those expectations and becoming that thing, whether positive or negative, you know, yeah. it can go either way. Yeah. And yeah, I just think that it's like, for me, I've, the, the thing that I've, the skill that I've had to master in my life. And I realized that I guess that's what I would consider like my superpower is that I, I can pivot. Mm. I can, I can pivot and I can, I can, you know, to use a basketball analogy, like I can Mm -hmm. pivot and I can go in a different direction. I can score in different ways. You know what I mean? Like I don't have to just do this one thing because that's what they think I'm only good at. Like I can do this other thing too. And I think that, um, it, it's it's good to be able to to do that and be able to like say okay I have to move on from this thing I can I can understand I can I can take pride in my accomplishments yeah. I can you know go down memory lane once in a while with some of my old friends or whatever but I mm-hmm. have to like I have to separate myself from that thing so that I'm not always chasing it like running in right. the wrong direction right you know yeah no. and and I. Oh, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 finish. Finish your thought. No, and I was just going to say, and I have, I have like the utmost respect and admiration for all of my friends who stayed on the path Mm -hmm. because I know how hard that was. I know how hard it was. You know what I mean? I I know the moments that those guys had to fight through to be able to be where they're at now, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, And it's, it's, so I have like the utmost respect and like admiration for for all my friends who who ended up, you know, basically like like who I live vicariously through, you know, right. like they kept the dream alive for me yeah. in that way. Yeah, you know what I mean. When did you? I mean, growing up, when did you figure out or learn about yourself that you had this ability to pivot? When did that sink in for you? When looking back um, on it, I think I was just always doing it. I just never realized that I was mm-hmm. like I was always having to adapt to new situations. And I just never realized that that's what I was doing. You know, like from, from moving to jungle, coming from literally come like, again, it's the same story as a lot of us. We come from a different country Mm -hmm. and 
our parents, the example our parents set is like they basically had to give up their whole lives. They had to pivot. Right. They had to give up their whole identities with the trajectory that they thought their lives were going to go in. They had to cut all of that off, not see their families, all those things, and pivot to become new people in a new country and have to make it work. Right. You know? And so you kind of see that as the example. And then, like, for me, I just had all of these experiences where I was put in a lot of different situations. Yeah. I ended up getting going into a, a school outside of the neighborhood, and that showed me the outside world. It, it gave me an exposure to the outside world at an early age. So mm. I, I kind of had a head start in that way, and I realized, okay, I have to fit in here. And not, and not fit in is even the wrong term because I... I've realized that I have like the, the dream of ever fitting in is not something that will ever be real for me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, I think the point when like, there's been moments in my life where I realized like, okay, no matter what you do, you're not going to fit in. You're always going to be a little bit different. Right. Like, and people are always going to kind of look at you a, a certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, 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 you know, it, it comes with, it comes with its own like weird set of baggage, like, yeah. you know? Yeah. And now I can definitely relate to that. Like I had the opportunity to go to um, uh, Glen Park and then Ledbury, which were both outside of the neighborhood. So that exposure is essential. Like I try, I I have conversation with, with, you know, uh, Joe about it and we talk about it all the time. Like that exposure, you know, opened me up to different people, different cultures and, and whatnot. So it really allowed me to see a little bit more than just the neighborhood that we grew up in. So it's essential. I think mm-hmm. if people can do that, great. It helps, you know, yeah. um, any advice you yeah, can, I, go ahead. No, sorry. I, yeah. I was just going to say, like you said, going out there, like me changing schools, having to be the only black kid, literally only black kid in my school. Yeah. Like that, if that's not a pivot, <laughs> I know what it is. you know what I mean? Like I had yep. to learn how to, to make it work. Like, yep. And then I've just been sort of doing that, constantly throughout my life just finding ways to to like even if there's a bump in the road maybe okay and now i'm changing path just a little bit like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna find a way to to like i'm gonna find some way to keep moving forward whether it's with this thing or something else i'm gonna find a way to keep moving forward because that's all i really know it's like striving for for something man any any advice you can offer a young hooper that's just starting their journey and what they can expect? I would say, um, firstly, I would say expect it to be a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a lot of work, but if you love the craft, if you love the game, the work will be fun. The work will be easy. Mm. But it's going to be a lot of it. It's going to be hard. It's going to be moments when you don't want to do it. And I would say you have to learn how to fight through that to get to where you're going. I would also recommend, honestly, like finding the people who support you the most, if it's two, three, four, five people, mm-hmm. and like just focusing on what they have to say about you and how they see you and and get them to come to your games. And you know what I mean? Right. Like you need to right. have some kind of support system. Yeah. I would say that that's like the most important thing because people regardless of the field, people who have a support system, a safety net that believes in them, is that's what's going to keep you going in the moments when you want to give up. Right. 
you know? So you have to surround yourself with people like that, people who have your best interest at heart because not everyone wants to see someone who comes from the same place as them stand beside them, sat in class beside them. Not everyone wants to see that person do well. You know what I mean? There's going to be people that that want you to, like they always say, misery loves company. So I would say just make sure that you have people around you that want the best for you and not because it could benefit them. That's it. You know? That's it. And that to me would be like, again, in, in anything, just in life in general, like that's a rule that I think you should, you should follow. And just the last thing I would say is protect your, your mental health, protect your, your peace and your, your, you know, whatever moments of tranquility you get. And again, this is just like bigger advice, protect yeah. your mental health, like as fiercely as you can, because it's Everything else comes from there. To me, mm-hmm. it's like the most important thing. So you have to be mentally healthy so you're not like, so you can actually stay focused on your goals. That's it. I appreciate that. I think, I think you know, anybody listening would definitely benefit from that, um, young or old. And so if you're just tuning in, make sure you take heed to that. Um, now, I know music is one of your safe havens or your escapes. Um, what first got you into listening to certain types of music? Well, first of all, what were the early songs that you were hearing in your household? Um, I grew up with a lot of church music, <laughs> a lot of church music, um, just like a lot of gospel songs. Yeah. And yeah. Just like reggae, soca type stuff that obviously, you know, coming from Guyana. Yeah. Um, so a lot of just like remix dub, dub plates of, of popular songs, you know, the, the yeah. Jamaican dubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Grew up with a lot of those. And then, like, I remember some of my earliest memories are of, like, my older brother, Andre, with, mm-hmm. like, Mob Deep tapes. Or I remember Shook Ones was a big song when I was really young. I loved mm-hmm. that song. Um, Classic. And then, yeah, a lot of Tupac. My, my brother had some early CDs and tapes, some Tupac, some Snoop Dogg. So I was listening to to that kind of stuff uh at that point and that's kind of i guess against my parents uh wishes <laughs> but also too like i grew up with a lot of like just random like my dad and my mom would play like easy rock mm-hmm. on, on this you know what i mean on the radio yeah. so i grew up with a lot of like eric clapton like just alternative yes. you know billy joel like kind of rock alternative type mm-hmm. music that my parents like celine dion my mom loves celine dion and like Anne murray so that kind of stuff um, and then I guess I just started getting into hip hop. It was just, you know, the, it just, it, it really was peaking. I feel like in that, at that time, mm-hmm. in a way, like it was, the culture was actually starting to come to the mainstream. Yeah. And so it was a great time to be a, a fan of hip hop. This sort of, in that time, it wasn't as new, but it was still not what it is today, you know? Yeah. And so it was good to be, to be able to see some of that stuff. And then. I guess, obviously, as you know, you had a bunch of uh, <laughs> CDs and tapes, like the greatest hip hop co- music collection that I've ever seen. <laughs> so <laughs> I had access. I had access to like full albums. And that's something I think that a lot of people didn't have. Like back in the day, we're lis- the, the music we were listening to was programmed. Yeah. So you'd hear so what was on the radio, what was on Rap City or BET. Yeah. But it's like having access to a full album and being able to listen to it from start to finish and like find songs that are never going to play on the radio. Right. It was like, it was like I was studying, like yeah. I was 
and, and it, it just got to a point where it's, it, it just starts coming out of you. You take yeah. enough of it in and then it just starts coming out of you and mm. like add that to sort of my kind of like my family, like my dad plays harmonica, like kind of his whole family's musical. So yes. just to have that musical basis and then sort of, I was inspired by other things and it kind of just became something that is, again, it's, it's a part of me. I yeah. can't, I can't not do it at this point. So when, when do you remember the moment when you said, you know what, I'm going to start creating music? Um, well, when I was younger, when I was younger, I was, I was writing, I was always just writing random things. Like I remember being in like second or third grade and mm-hmm. writing a poem that, that my teachers thought was good. So I had to go read it on the announcements. And it was just, I always just felt, it was always something that sort of came naturally to me, words and just rhythm and those kind of things came Mm -hmm. naturally to me. And then I guess in middle school, uh, me and my friend Shaka, like we were really like, yo, we could, we want, we're going to be a rap group. (laughs) We were going to be a rap group called DNA, Dread and Ash. And we, uh, (laughs) we had it all planned out. We had a rollout. Like we were, (laughs) we have big dreams, you know, shout out to Shaka. Shout out to Pisces. Um, But yeah, it was, it was that we were like, yo, we're going to find a way. And then at the time, that was when you had uh, got your little studio equipment in the basement. Yeah. And so me and Shaka came over and we just started recording music. And this is like when 11, 12 years old. Like, so it was that was the first time I ever recorded music. And people know, know that those recordings, I think uh, Alex has those somewhere. He's the only man alive who has <laughs> <laughs> who has. Yo. He, yo, he is a historian. Honestly, shout out to Alex Johnson, man. Yeah. I love Alex, yo. He is a real historian. Like, he has everything, everything. Yeah. yeah. He has all of our high school tapes. He has every song I've ever made, anything I've ever recorded. Yo, That's he has. crazy. He has, a, he has a copy of a freestyle, the first freestyle I ever did in Sanjay's basement, like, one random day after school. Like, he has it all. It's No it's way. Insane. <laughs> Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but it, it's been, it's been, yeah, it's been my whole, since then, I've just been tinkering with sound, tinkering with recording. You used to make mixtapes and it's just been, a, I used to take piano lessons, guitar lessons. So it's just like been all of this musical education mm-hmm. in a way that I've kind of taken in. It just started, like it just starts coming out at some point, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's incredible. That's incredible. Now, what's what's your creative process now when you're making a beat? Like, if you're if you're getting ready to make a beat, is there a process, and what does that look like? Um. Well, nowadays I I have like my own space, like an actual dedicated room for mm-hmm. production. So that really helps a lot. I I usually just you know get the mood right, set mm-hmm. you know set some the lights and and kind of just feel the vibe. Usually, I'll, sometimes I'll have a sample. I'll hear a sample and I'll just be like, yo, I need to make a beat out of that. Mm-hmm. Or I'll just be in a certain mood and I'll just be like, all right, I want to make uh I want to make. Sometimes I'll pretend like I'm I'm making beats for a certain artist right. and then just go in and say, okay, I'm gonna make five beats for this artist and then I just kind of play with their sound, play with the sound that they're, you know, certain sounds that they're they're used to they uh, usually use. And I'll just make something like that. Or like 
sometimes I just will sit in front of my computer and just wait to be inspired or I'll just go through samples and, mm-hmm. and, and see something that I like. And once I find something, I just latch onto it and yeah, I usually go from, usually I start with melodies and then I'll just go and start adding drums and other things. But yeah, I have to kind of catch a be vibe. inspired yeah. by something. Yeah. Okay. And is it different when you're writing your lyrics, like for your own music? Like what's the process um, for that? For me, the way that I have come to think about it is I see words as just another layer of production. Mm. You know, like the words on a the words of any song are just the top layer of the production. So it it when I'm making beats, a lot of the times I'm just mumbling stuff to myself, like, or I'm writing stuff just to myself because it's just coming out of me the same way that the rest of the beat is, mm, you know? So to me now, there is no, the distinction between beat and song or like lyrics and beat is starting to kind of Come disappear on. for me. And it's just like one process of just creating something, you know? Right. I'll right. hum, like I'll make a beat and I'll be humming a melody or like just be filling something in or I'll hear something. I'll be like, I hear this instrument or I'll just try and make that sound with my mouth and then like find what that instrument is on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Go through sounds and find what that is because sometimes like I'm not a trained musician or whatever. Like I know musical instruments, but there's things I don't know. So it's right. like, oh, I want this sound. Let me just find what this thing is. Like, and and then I usually end up finding it, you know. Mm-hmm. But I just kind of let the music lead the way. But yeah, I do think that I think of the the lyrics as just the the last layer, and it's not separate from the beat or the music. It's all one thing. Got it. Damn. So I'm always basically I'm always writing. Yeah, like I can't not write. You yeah, because every every beat is a song basically when you're creating yeah. it. Yes, yes. Yeah, and then you also have to have ideas for artists because I want like I want my beats. I want artists to be on my beats, so you have to be able to have ideas for them as well. Right. You know, if right. you're in the studio with someone or you send them with something and with a little reference, mm-hmm. it could turn into a song just off of the the little melody or little little hook or just a cadence or even just a few words that you give them like you know what i mean that's right. how it, it it sparks their inspiration and yeah. so you kind of have to be to me as a real or not just i don't say real because i people get really tricky about the word beat maker producer it's just like you make music you're a producer like yeah. let's not get too technical about the right. you know the title or start gatekeeping because like that's the kind of stuff i hate yeah you know so it's yeah. like but as someone who considers themselves like as a, a songwriter, song maker, producer, I feel like it's all part of the package. Like you have to be able to do all those things for yourself and for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if if you could be, this is where we get a little bit of a dream or a wish list going here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you could be <laughs> an opening act for any artist, dead or alive, who would it yeah. be? Wow, dead or alive? <laughs> no, that's <laughs> okay. I'm gonna give you my. Can I give you a? Can I give you a top five? Sure. That's hard. That's sure. hard. I know right. it's a cop out, but it's it's hard. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> so okay, dead. I'm saying Tupac. That's just like okay. hands down. If it was someone who I if wasn't here anymore, Tupac, that would be the thing. Yeah. If I'm saying someone who I kind of like 
Maybe I'll give you three. Someone okay. who I, I look... So that's dead. Someone who I look up to as a... a not role model, but like as an inspiration, mm-hmm. I would say Kanye. Because mm-hmm. Kanye's whole like his whole vibe of just like putting the creative first, just producer rapper, like all yeah. just doing your own thing, kind of like that has been always been my vibe. Mm-hmm. So Kanye, if that, and if I'm talking about some a rapper who I consider, or someone that's in my like age, like a peer of mine, like in mm-hmm. the age range or like that, yeah. I would say J Cole for sure. Because to me, he's he's mm. He's to me, he's the best doing it, man. Yeah, <laughs> Honestly, yeah, yeah, like yeah. he doesn't have bad verses. He makes real music. Like so, yeah. I, those are the kind of artists that I'm drawn to. Dope. So it'd be it'll be like yeah, Pac, Kanye, Cole. Cool. All right. Yeah. Now, that's... okay. So which which artist would you like to collaborate with on a project? Um. Well, I guess it would be those. <laughs> those same. three. Okay. Okay. Um, no, but but I but think if you can add somebody else, would you? Yeah. Add? No, there's room. I think there's a lot of room. Like for me, a dream collaboration would be with, I guess, like-minded artists. But I mean, mm-hmm. if if you want to shoot, like, shoot I don't know, your shot. Maybe maybe Jay Z, just because of the 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 space that he occupies in the culture. Right. You know what I mean? He, for all intents and purposes, he's the, he's the king of rap, mm-hmm. you know, like he's the closest thing we have to in rap of like, as of a, an elder statesman who's still doing it at a high level, mm-hmm. who could, who's going to be able to sell music for the rest of his life. You right. know what I mean? We haven't had, we haven't had artists in hip hop that have been able to age Mm-hmm. And and Jay Z is the first one, I think, of that caliber that we've allowed to age into a different uh, space in his life and yeah. still be relevant, still have his pul- his finger on the pulse of the culture, and still kind of dictated in a way. So for me, it would be Jay Z, just because a Jay Z verse is worth like a Jay Z verse is worth a hundred of anyone else's verses, right, right, even exactly. the guys I <laughs> even the guys I love. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. Jay Z, it's just different. It's a different thing. Yeah. Maybe Jay, maybe Nas, like, but or even Andre. Maybe Andre. Andre, Jay, Nas, Andre, like those are Damn. You know, again, Easy, man. Me, You're taking all of them. <laughs> but to me, like I said, okay, if I have to say one, it's Jay because to me, again, he's the king of rap. Right. And him and him and Beyonce are the closest thing as black people that we have in the popular culture like you know the the you know other people they have the royal family like they're the closest thing to a royal family a worldwide royal family that we have yeah you know so we gotta we gotta protect them at all costs that's actually a a very accurate um (laughs) 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 that's a that's a very accurate actually i I like that i like that comparison it's actually very close um this one's gonna be an interesting question for you what would you say is the most useless talent or skill that you have? <laughs> <laughs> the most useless talent I have um, or skill. I mean, th- that this could be a really long list of dumb things because I've, I've, uh, <laughs> I've mastered a lot of dumb things. Um, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> 
I I don't know. I would say like I can juggle I can juggle two basketballs with one hand. I don't know. Like I I have I've done some 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 wild things. Um I don't know. I yeah, it's it's a funny list. I think I think I'm the best at Jeopardy. I think I'm the best at Jeopardy. I think I'm the best. I honestly think <laughs> You know what you're That's saying? That's a useless talent. You have a lot of useless information. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yo, trivia, I'm not even like, yo. I, there's sometimes I'm watching Jeopardy and like a question will come up and I don't know how I know the answer. I just know this thing for some random reason. I heard it somewhere or like I read it somewhere. Yeah. I just, it's just in my brain. And That's like crazy. certain things like, you know, you hear certain words, you make certain connections. I'm like, oh, I know this thing. I don't know how. I don't know mm. why, but it's it, it's in my brain taking up space. <laughs> so I think, yeah, my my trivial knowledge, I think, is my most, my my uh, best useless talent. <laughs> I like that, best useless. <laughs> it's, so it's, it's good for trivia games, it's yeah. good for Jeopardy. You know, I think I can beat uh, uh, most people in Jeopardy, I think, maybe, I don't know. What would you say uh, are some of your strengths that make you stand up from other music creators? Wow, I think... I think I have, I think I have a different ear. Mm. I think my ear is tuned to a certain level of like quality, a certain, I think my taste is, I'm not to say I have the greatest music taste, like, you know what I mean? But I think that my, my, I'm always striving. My taste level is higher than my ability. Uh, And so I'm always striving to like close the gap between how good I want something to be and where my skills are. Mm-hmm. So I think that the the fact that I'm always chasing like a taste level that that you basically can never reach. But if you try hard enough, you can get close to it. But by the time that you get close to your taste level, your taste changes, your taste evolves, you mm-hmm. know. So it's like a yeah. it's like a constant sort of chase this thing that's never you're never going to really catch it. And I think that for me, that inspires me to try different things, it inspires me to make different kinds of music. And I think that, again, I'm trying to make music to the level of the stuff that I love. Right. And so even if I aim for that mark and I miss it, I still am somewhere in that, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm on the target. I might not get a bullseye, but I'm in the same place. Right. And I think also another strength of mine is that um, I, I'm versatile. Like I can do different things. Like I said, do different kinds of music. And right. I approach I approach beat making in because I started making beats because I want I needed beats to rap on. Right. And the beats that I was I had access to or that were around just weren't to the level that I thought that I wanted to rap on. You mm-hmm. know, so I had to like the thing I wanted didn't exist, so I had to make it myself. Right. And that goes back to the whole thing, like I said, the to me, what is the the sort of through line of my family? If anything, the closest thing we have to like a legacy, I think, in my family is that we do things ourselves. Yeah. You know, if we if we if there's something that if there we find a solution to a problem, like, you know, and that's kind of comes from I think like my dad's kind of like engineer mind, like I'm yeah. going to find a this problem. There's a practical problem here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find some kind of mechanical way to to fix it or to solve it, to do something. And I'll make it myself because it's going to be cheaper. We're yeah. gonna, you know what I mean? And so I, I, I think that that's kind of 
that's infused in my my beat making. So I started that way of making beats because I needed them. So I approach it from an artist perspective. So I try and keep the beats in a place that an artist can just come on like and just basically just don't mess it up, <laughs> you know, because yeah. that's what like when artists when artists hear great beats, all they're really thinking is like, oh, I'm not I'm going to like make this something different. Like they just want to make sure that they some no one doesn't say, oh, you messed up that beat or someone else would have killed that beat more right, or right. whatever, you know. So it's like I try and make beats that's that are already good. They stand on their own. Mm hmm. And I don't think I don't think like stands on its own as a piece of music. And I don't I don't know if every producer kind of approaches it that way. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Like not too many producers actually go with that mindset of, OK, I'm going to make this beat or this music that can actually stand on its own. And it's it's funny because literally yesterday I'm listening to um, Maxwell's album and uh, I think it's I can't pronounce the word It's M. Embry Embria or something like that. I can't remember the, the, the right name for it, but the first track on there is literally just instrumental. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I'm just listening to him. I didn't realize there was no lyrics. And I was like, wow, I listened to the entire thing. It's about four or five minutes, but I enjoyed it. Right. Yeah. And I think about that as you're speaking, because I'm thinking that's music that stands on its own without anybody having to do anything with it. Yeah. And, 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 that's the, like I said, that's the kind of stuff I, I like to make. And you can tell a story in music without any words. Yes. You know what I mean? You can still tell a story without any words and it. It will still make sense. It will still get have an emotional impact just with the music. Yeah. In, in what ways, um, good or bad, has the Internet impacted music, music business, in your opinion? Well... The worst way, I think, the best way and the worst way are the same. It's mm. that it it made everyone it made everyone able to make music. Uh -huh. It made everyone able to put out music. You know what I mean? Where yeah. no matter how good or bad it is, quality wise, like if the it can still exist, right? Side by side with whatever else is out there. So everyone has. The internet has made it so everyone has access to create and publish their own music, their own art, whatever it is that they do. Mm -hmm. And so the good the good thing about that is that everyone can put their stuff out there. The gatekeepers are still there in other ways. But in terms of just existing, like I want to put music out, mm -hmm. you can do that now as an independent person. Anyone can do it. Right. But the, the bad side about that is that there's a lot of trash. Yeah. Like and I don't mean trash like. I'm hesitant to call anyone's art trash because it all, you would hope that it all comes from a certain place. Like someone put time into this right. and made it. But there's people who don't actually respect the art form of music that are mm -hmm. making music for whatever reason to try and come up. They want to get clout, whatever the thing is. Yeah. And it's not coming from a genuine place. And so there's a lot of that. There's a yeah. lot of just like, it's like when you go on the app store, there's like a bunch of, there's, there's, Trash. The, the official apps, yeah, there's the official <laughs> apps, and then there's all the, like, random, yeah. just, you know, ones that have viruses in them or whatever, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? The they're fishing, they're trying to, yeah, yeah, so it's like, you have to sift through it all to get to the good stuff, but the good stuff, now it gets to exist and gets to 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 be out there, you know, yeah. Yeah. alongside with the bad stuff, the, the stuff that's not really coming from a genuine place, and then also beside... The best stuff, you know, yeah. in, in 2021, it's the only time when some artist from 
Yo, one of the biggest new pop artists, the kid Leroy, is from Australia. You know what I mean? He's an yeah. indigenous kid from Australia. Yeah. If the internet didn't exist, he could not be a pop star. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. no one would have found him. He would have been living his life wherever he was. You know what I mean? It, yeah. So it made it it makes it the access is is a beautiful thing, but yeah. it, it has its sort of downside. Yeah. What's what's you know? no, you're absolutely right. Like <laughs> you you get to hear a lot of people that you otherwise wouldn't hear come across your timeline. Um, YouTube, you know, and all those different platforms allow people to be able to put things out. And, and I think the other part of it too, is you get a lot more visuals, you know, whereas before, and if you're looking at the film industry, for example, in order to make a, a music video back in the days, you know, the budget was crazy just to make a video. Now you can have an iPhone and make a video. Yeah. You know, and it's top quality. So you're absolutely right. It's accessibility. It's made it easier for people to put it out there. Um, but it is subjective. As we know, music is subjective. So yeah. what, what's trash to me might be gold to somebody else. But Exactly. And, and there's, that's, the, that's the, the beautiful thing is that you put it out there into the world and who it's meant for will find it. That's it. That's the beautiful thing about the internet. It's like you can find an audience no matter what it is you make. Yeah. I've realized this. Even you go on YouTube. There's a YouTube community for everything. Yeah. Like whatever you make, if you're a, if you knit, there's like celebrity, there's YouTube stars that knit. You yep. know what I mean? There's, yep. it's, it's so every, there's a community, there's, there's people out there, whatever crazy thing you're into, you think that there's no one else into it on the internet. You're going to find at least 10,000 people that are exactly like easily. And for a musician, if you have a 10,000 person fan base, you can, in 2021, you can, that can be the beginning of a career. Yep. Yep. Sustainable one, too. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Well, now, what's, what's your process um, whenever you fall into one of those creative slums? How do you get out of it? What's your process to getting out of those slums? Honestly, sometimes I literally have to talk to myself and say, to, you are going to sit down and make music. There's mm-hmm. days when it's just it's just not coming and yeah. I'm not forcing it, but I'm saying, okay, you give yourself this amount of time, look for something. I'll, I'll go down, I'll go listen to music that I love. I'll go watch videos, watch YouTube videos. Some of the artists and songs or things that I found have just been in watching TV shows and things. You hear something on the soundtrack of a show and you're like, oh, that would make a crazy beat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it... it you kind of sometimes have to step away from it, but then other times I kind of sit down with the intention of, okay, you haven't made a beat in, you haven't made enough beats this week. Mm-hmm. Sit down, see if anything comes. Cause if I'm in front of the computer, I have my tools. So you're going to make something, even if it's not good, at right. least you sort of make something to keep that rhythm, keep your skills. Mm-hmm. It's like anything. If you practice every day, not every day, is going to be your best day. You're not going to have your best game every day, but right. you got to keep your skills sharp. And so even when you're not feeling creative, I try my best to just like, even if it's just listening to music I love, that's part of the process. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're not actually sitting there, but like I said, sometimes I have to force myself, sit down here and say, this is what I'm focused on for the next however many hours, because it's so easy to get distracted. Yeah, It's so easy to get distracted. Like I had to, I, I turned off all the notifications on my phone because I can't 
it, it it takes too much mental energy even just to like look at the yep. phone sometimes to see a notification. Yeah. It it, it breaks my whole flow. Yeah. So literally since the beginning of this year, I have no notifications on my phone. So anyone who's been trying to reach me, I'm sorry. I've been hard to get. <laughs> I know, but yo, I'm doing it because I have to protect yeah. Yeah. I have to protect my like I said, protect my own like peace at yeah. all costs, yeah. you know? And so I, I understand, like, you know, it's hard to get a hold of me sometimes or whatever, but that's the reason. I just, it, it's the mental real estate it takes sometimes to do that is not, yeah. I can't give it up. Yeah. I can't give it up. It's funny. You're like the fourth person that said that um, they've been turning off their phones just to disconnect mm-hmm. um, so that they can actually get some creative flow and process um, because it is a distraction. It's huge. Yeah. Any little sound or vibration, you're like, oh, I got to look at this. I got to look at this. You know, uh, we're really glued to it, but no, that's, that's yeah, dope. And you're that's giving, you're giving your energy. It's, it's a, it's a one way energy transfer to yeah. me. You know what I mean? It's like, you're giving your energy to this, the void Yeah. and you're not the only, not the only, because obviously the internet and social media, like I said, it has all upsides. There are yeah. beautiful things on social media. It's connected people. It's made activism stronger. It's made mm-hmm. people able to raise money for good causes, all those kind of things. But the dark side of it is sometimes you open your phone and just because the algorithm of all these social media apps are trying to show you things that will get you to react. Their whole mm-hmm. thing is trying to get you to react to some elicit some kind of emotional response in you, whether it's positive or negative. They don't care. Yeah. So they're going to put something in front of you that's going to catch your eye for whatever reason. And then that's how you go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And I can't. <laughs> I just sometimes I just can't. You know what I mean? So yeah. I've just been trying to cleanse my mental space of all that stuff and 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 just you know be just be still with myself <laughs> yeah 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 no it, it's yeah it, it's definitely crucial if you can't disconnect you're in trouble you're doomed you're doomed mm-hmm. especially if you're a creative um i want to switch gears for a moment journalism yes how did you embark in that industry <sighs> honestly it's going to sound crazy to anyone who doesn't know me but <laughs> um one of my and this is another thing i just a sidebar that i want to say just because i i read a lot of books and i've i've always heard people say like oh how can fictional characters are not you know they can't really inform the real world or whatever but one of my biggest role models are is a fictional character peter parker spider-man like i literally and and there's people who know me that like call me, you know, Peter Parker, just because like that's it, it's he's always again. This sounds crazy. <laughs> I I acknowledge people. I acknowledge how crazy this sounds before I say it. But just the sort of uh, to me the the I've always just been a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Whatever medium that's if anyone asks me to. To define myself, I'd either say I'm a creative or a storyteller. But I think I've been leaning more to storyteller because it it kind of encompasses what I do. Whatever medium I'm working in, I want to tell good, strong, like impactful stories. Mm-hmm. Whether that's in my music or again, journalism is sort of another way for me to flex that muscle for me to sort of use that storytelling uh, inclination that I have in a way that's kind of different. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I get to, and that's part of what has I've, I've learned kind of defines me is, is being able to express myself in different ways. 
Dope. So again, like I said, going back to Peter Parker, journalist, photojournalist, th- that's kind of, you know, it, even going like Clark Kent, Superman, like a lot of superheroes, their alter ego is a journalist for whatever reason. Maybe it's just the most mundane, you know, <laughs> no one really knows what a journalist looks like. You right, don't really, right. you know, something you just pass up. You don't really pay attention to. And and because the story, to me, I think a good journalist is someone who doesn't make themselves the story, you know? And so I think maybe that's why they say journal, they they choose journalists as, as the profession because no one looks at the person telling the story. Uh, you know, they care about the story. Right. So it's like, no one's going to look twice at Clark Kent. He's just some bum journalist. You right, don't know to right, think he's right. Superman. <laughs> Peter Parker's just some dumb, you yeah. know, just some dumb journalist. He doesn't, you know what I mean? You, he's unassuming. And I think that's kind of goes back to kind of like the duality of my personality where it's like, that's story again storytelling is the the essence of all of the stuff that i do at the you know what i mean at the end of the day it's all storytelling and journalism is it's just a great way to do that it's telling stories professionally you know, you know? and i i'm lucky that i get to do that you know it's, it's crazy i didn't know that but i'm glad now i know now a lot of things make sense to me now i'm thinking back a lot of the moves that you made and the things that you've done i'm like ah now it makes sense to me the the connection to just you know those superheroes whether it's through marvel or dc or any of those characters now Mm -hmm. it makes sense to me yeah and and i've that's the thing i again i know it sounds crazy but a lot of the the whole even like the with great power comes great responsibility like to me that's what I've been trying to live my life by you mm. know I, I there's been times in my life where I didn't understand that being in the position that I'm in being privileged enough to have the opportunities that I've had in my life comes with a responsibility and I think there was a point in my life where I didn't want it or I didn't understand it you know I didn't yeah. understand how big of a responsibility I have to the people that are less fortunate than me or people that believe in me, people that care about me and just the world in general. I think it's, it's like a disservice not to use my, my talents in some kind of productive way, some kind of way that benefits people other than myself. I feel like it's just, and I've, I've struggled with that because, yeah. you know, there's just all these the creatives, like we sit in our own, our hole, our cave, whatever it yeah. is, and just like think we're just making stuff. And we just, you you even when you know that what you've made is good, sometimes you kind of second guess it or whatever, but. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I get it. It's that whole analysis paralysis thing that we go through, right? We, we get stuck yeah. there and, and we don't want to move forward because we're not sure if it's going to be accepted that we're received the same way we envisioned it. Um, mm-hmm. we become perfectionists, right? And once you're a perfectionist, that's it. You never get anything completed. So it's, yeah, it's exactly. avoiding that. It's avoiding that. How was, how has your, you know, your experience at Humber, um, um, you know, well, take, my, taking that course, mm-hmm. not, 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 not as an athlete, just the program you went there to take, how did that help you propel into that career in media? Um, well, I just, I, I feel like I, I have to say my, my athletic, <laughs> my athletic experience at Humber was terrible, <laughs> but that's, that's a story for another day. And it actually is, it, it actually provided an opportunity for a lot of growth for me. Nice. Uh, so I, but yeah, that's a different story for a different day. But 
Um, in terms of journalism, no, I just had like I had I had teachers that uh kind of saw that thing in me, like that spark of no the skills that you have, this is is a journalist, you know? Mm. I I I I always have loved editing audio, um, making movies, editing video, writing, you know, taking pictures, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, these are the things that I was interested in on my own anyway. And then it's like, oh, there's a career. It's called journalism. (laughs) You know, like there's a career for that. And I, I obviously knew that growing up, but it was something that I'd always thought if if the opportunity presented itself in the right way, that that's what I would do. And like I said, I kind of went away from that and then had some people that were outside of myself kind of say, no, have you ever thought about this thing? And then I'm like, yeah, I actually have thought about it a lot, but I just wasn't sure if I wanted to do it, you know, or, you know what I mean? Just Mm -hmm. indecisiveness of youth. Um, But yeah. And I think it was the right decision because like I said, it, it, gives me the opportunity to align my personal and professional passions, you know, in a way that not everyone is blessed to. And I don't take that for granted at all. You know, it's crazy. I realize, I think about it. I think you have, is it three or four projects that you've released? Uh, Four, I think. Yeah, I think four or three. Uh, Yeah, I think four, four. That's crazy. Let's, Let's call it four. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking about it. Like you have four of them already out there. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have one on the way right now? I don't know. I, I again, like I said, I have. I I I can't stop making music. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just part of me. It comes out of me on a daily basis when I'm just sitting here. Even if I'm in bed, I think of things I could say. I think of lines. I'm always writing. I'm always, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so I have. Music that I'm working on, and aside from, in terms of my production, I have stuff that I want to put out, just like beat tapes and stuff like that, and try mm-hmm. and get people on my beats, just trying to like you know, yeah. uh, shop some shop beats to to artists. But in terms of my own project, I think that I have material, and I think that if the timing is right. I would maybe put something out at some point. <laughs> if, I like that's that. not, uh, if that's not too cryptic. <laughs> at some point, we'll wait for it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, honestly, it's just a weird, I just feel like it's just aside from actually putting out music, it's a weird time to be an artist, specifically a rapper in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I think that, the culture has grown in some very good ways, but it's also grown in some very negative ways. Yeah. And there's a lot of negative connotation even attached with just being just being black in the city, mm. <laughs> period. But yeah. but just when it comes to like rappers, be, like I said, being young and black in the city is already looked at a certain way and and, yeah. and we're already stigmatized. But musically specifically, if you say you're a rapper right now in Toronto that comes with a lot of baggage and a connotation that is not necessarily the most positive. Right. And not to say that that should like, no one is out here kind of pandering to the sensibilities of people outside the culture. Like that's not what I'm talking about. It's just 
you know, it's 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 just a weird time. And, and there's a lot of perceived, there's a lot of, like I said, it's growing in negative ways. And there's it's kind of like a lot of violence and kind of one-upmanship yeah. that's part of, that's kind of baked into the culture at the moment. Yeah. And I think that hopefully it's not a permanent fixture because there's so many talented artists in the city. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's no, you know what I mean? I think that the, the amount of talent that's in this city it, and it always has been, there always mm-hmm. has been this much talent, but it's just that it's never been able to get out before. But right now, I think a lot of people in the city are limiting how, like they're they're putting a ceiling on where Toronto can go musically because of all the other like politics and all this kind of street yeah. like hood stuff that's intertwined with it. That's not that shouldn't be part of the music culture, you know? Right, right. You shouldn't. It shouldn't be. Oh, you can't listen to this person's music because they come from a certain neighborhood or whatever. It's right. like there's good artists right now coming from the city in all these neighborhoods. Young hungry kids that if they work together would go to another level where this make the hip hop industry in Canada viable. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it's like you see how there's uh there's the Canadian basketball leagues right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. there was a time when players coming through the Canadian system, if it wasn't Europe or the States, there was nowhere you couldn't stay home and play. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and I feel like it's this now that those leagues exist, guys can have a path where it's like there's guys who say, oh, I want to play in this league. Yeah. You know, in the next few years, that's what it's growing towards. And I think the Canadian music industry is at a similar point where it's like we can create a hip hop industry here where it can thrive here. Yeah. You know, like the UK has like other places, other pockets. We can have a music industry here in Canada that supports hip hop if we did it the right way, yeah. you know? And so I think that that's where the league, the league is opening up. Like the, the doors are opening up, yeah. but people are shutting it on themselves and limiting themselves. And I yeah. just think that that's kind of what I wish the culture would move away from, you know? I think, I think, I mean, I'm going to be optimistic. I think it's, it is going to shift to that. Um, I feel like the generation coming up are are you know gonna be looking towards collaborating with other people i mean it's really like you nailed it it is what needs to happen if we don't collaborate it doesn't work if you look at you look at um uh, a place like atlanta or even the south you know with with um new orleans and, and whatnot all those artists came yeah. together to make you know their stamp on the industry Mm-hmm. You know, and you think about all those major labels back in the in the 90s or even early 2000s, you look at, let's say, even uh, No Limit is a great example, right? Yeah. Took all these artists from the same community or neighborhood and formed the label, but they took the industry by storm. Yeah. You know, you look at, you look at Bad Boy, same thing. You look at Rock, same thing. So it's it's just a matter of deciding... You know what? Put the egos aside. Let's, let, we can do something bigger than us as an individual. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's where we need to start really looking at. But you're absolutely right. If 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 you got a handful of artists together from different neighborhoods, or even a little bit more, and you formed a clique or a group or something that we're mm-hmm. producing. A great example, actually, right now, I should I should have used that as an example is Dreamville. Yeah, they're from all different places. Yep. But look at look at the noise they're making. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you're absolutely right with that. 
Yeah, it's just like again, it's it's just stuff that's not that has nothing to do with music, you know. But right. Again, if you at the point where you become a professional musician, I feel like y- now you're a professional. If you want to do this and you want to make money at it and you want to be able to move through the world safely, like you got to let certain stuff go. You got to yeah. just realize like that's not what it is. But I think again, the 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 antics outside of the music is how people are getting attention to their music, you know? Mm-hmm. And so the success of certain artists kind of trolling, like certain artists in the States trolling to get attention, that yeah. became the norm. And the whole, like, you know, dissing other people, whatever, that became the norm. So that's what everyone's following because it was a successful path for a, a whole generation of, like, Chicago rappers came up because... They were dissing, you know, people from the other blocks, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to be that. Even if it is that, like, leave it on the music. Keep it on the music or somewhere. Like, right. you know what I mean? Even, like, the city's crazy right now. Like, again, I am want to get too it in the weeds. But mm-hmm. there used to be a time when, like, you know, the certain guys were safe or, like, the, the ball players were safe. Yeah. They had safe passage going to certain neighborhoods, even mm-hmm. if they're from certain places. Like, oh, those are ballers. Like, they're off limits. Like, certain kind of rules and just kind of conduct that used to be around. Like, yeah. it, I feel like it's kind of deteriorated. But, again, that's another story for another day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Man, so <clears throat> I'm going to shift gears. I have the segment called Thinking Out Loud. Mm-hmm. And this is where I ask the most random question. It has nothing to do with anything. Okay. Right? It's to break the seriousness of the conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you well, gotta random, pick one. random, random is kind of my thing. So <laughs> all right, here you go. <laughs> so I'm gonna ask the question. I want you to give me your your initial response and explain okay. why you chose that option. You ready? Okay. All right. Would you rather talk like Yoda? Every single time, or mm-hmm. breathe like Darth Vader for the rest of your life. <laughs> um, I think I, honestly, again, this is for me. I'm a, I'm a like sci-fi, like, die-hard fan. I would go with Yoda just because he's so he's he's always his riddles are always wise, you know. The wisdom is always there, you know. I, and again, that's again, going back to the fictional characters thing. Yeah. Some of my biggest life lessons have come from, from fictional, fictional characters. Yeah. Do, Yoda, the famous Yoda line to me that always sticks in my mind. I always think is "Do or do not." There is no try. That's it's like it. You either do something or you do it. You can't. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so you you get little pieces of of. You know, morality, knowledge, whatever you can from whatever source you can. But I would say, again, I'll speak like Yoda, even though Darth <laughs> Vader obviously is the cooler character. But yeah, Yoda for sure. That's dope. That's dope. Oh, man. So we're close to the end of the episode here. Um, mm-hmm. So a few questions I want to get through. How yeah. has the pandemic impacted your music and creative outlets? Um, It's given me a lot more time. It's given me a lot of time to tinker, a lot of time to really just create as much as possible. Like I was I was doing that before the pandemic, but it's actually given me time to sit down, be able to like block off, you know, big chunks of time to say, I'm going to just do this. I don't have to think about anything else but music. There's no social pressure to you know, go out, do certain things, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. And again, that those are not bad things, but they take away from the mission yeah. at times, you know? So it's it's given me time to focus and just 
really try and hone in on certain things, work on my weaknesses and just learn, really learn and find out where I want, what I want to accomplish and where I want to exist in the, in like a musical space. Mm. You know, it's, it's given me time to really think about what I want and how I'm going to do it yeah. and, and create as much as possible. That's what's up. If you had to share, what's one of the best advice that you've actually been given? Um, that is the best advice I've ever gotten. One of them. Uh, I'll say, um, really, I guess just be yourself. Mm. Honestly, I know that's cliche and I know it's, it's kind of, it's kind of just obvious. But that's, but that's, I, that's harder for a lot of us. Like it's, it's not an easy task to be yourself. The, yeah, exactly. It's easy to say, but hard to do. Yeah. And I think that that is, that's something I think we're all struggling with on a day-to-day basis because mm-hmm. we have to be different versions of ourselves depending on where we are at the time. You know, you're a different mm-hmm. version of yourself at work. Yeah. You're a different version of yourself in your relationship. Yeah. You're a different version of yourself when you're by yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's trying to live a life that allows you to be as much of yourself as you can, as often as you can. Mm. And so that's what be yourself means to me, because it's not, it, it's about like a overall, you know, a climate of being yourself as opposed to like, just thinking that you, you only can being yourself means like only doing what you want to do. Like that's not necessarily true. You know, right, it's just right. about, it's about, being as true to yourself as you can as much as possible. And again, protecting your mental space, protecting your peace mm-hmm. as, as, as aggressively as you can, because at the end of the day, that's all you have. Like we we're talking about the soul at the beginning. Yeah. All you have is your soul. That's it. You know, that's, that's, that's it to me. That's all you really in this world. The only things you really possess and even time is not a real thing, but you only have your time, your energy, and your soul. That's all you really have control over as a person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, again, just be yourself. Be true to yourself. Find the things that make your soul happy, make yourself happy. And, and yeah, to me, that's what I'm always trying to do. Just be myself. So, so what's next for you as a producer? I want to work with, I want to work with a lot of artists. Mm. I want to work with, a. they don't necessarily, I, I started out thinking like, I want to work with a lot of Toronto artists. Like I want to find some artists I could lock in with and just produce oh, an EP for them or something. Mm-hmm. Like that. I still want to do that, you know, but I've kind of broadened my, my, my thoughts on it where it's like, I, I just want to work with young, young, not even necessarily young, but just hungry artists. Mm-hmm. I just want to work with people and get my music out to the world because from the time I started sitting down like and making beats, it's been about five or six years. And in the beginning, I literally was sitting down and making like 10 beats a day. Mm. I know that sounds crazy, but it's actually true. Like I have I have a like a a, a hard drive. I have thousands of beats. 
Wow. And again, I know that sounds crazy, but I literally sat down. My anyone again who's ever seen me get fixated and how obsessive my mind is, like I actually have these. Like you know, I have a lot of beats, and I think there has to be some. There got to be some hits in there somewhere, right? You know what I mean, I made enough that there's a lot, and I'm still growing. I'm still making stuff, and I really just want to work with as many artists as possible because it's like. The feeling of having someone get on one of my beats and making a song that I love mm-hmm. is something that I've had a couple times, and I'm 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 chasing that still. Yeah. Like I'm chasing that feeling. I want it more. I want more of that. So, so now, do you think you've accomplished your greatest achievements as yet, or it hasn't come yet? No, no, and that's why I hate even talking about like when people come around me talking about high school, but, but like I it it. It's like it. It's fun at times. Like you know, it's good with your friends to kind of go down memory lane. But I don't yeah. like talking about the past. Like that's there. It's it's done. Yeah. I've moved on. I've had to, like I said, I had to shed an identity and and mourn it and grieve it and yeah. bury it. You know. And so obviously it's still part of my life. But but my greatest days are not behind me. People, mm-hmm. I feel like people who who talk and live in the past, it's because they feel like the best days are behind them. Yeah. I still have, I'm still here and I feel like I'm a better artist than I ever been. Mm-hmm. I'm a better producer than I ever been. I'm, I'm more knowledgeable than I ever been. And that can only lead to good things. I'm more at peace than I've ever been, you know? And that's, I, I'm, my life is more balanced than it's ever been. Yeah. So I can't, believe that my best days are behind me i i have so many things i want to accomplish um just personally and professionally not just you know achieving things in terms of music goals it's just life things that i think i haven't done yet i I haven't gotten married yet i i I haven't had kids yet those are accomplishments that i think are things that that are what i'm looking forward to and those are going to be the things like that that define me you know that are mm-hmm. legacy legacy building i have this legacy in these other things but i'm still building it. i'm not done yet yeah i'm not even close to done like i the way i feel now is that even at this point in my life i took like i said this whole year i've been trying to just get my mind right get healthy and i feel like going into this next chapter of my life i'm the best and most humble and grounded version of myself that I've ever been. And that can only lead to good things. That's it. That's it. By the way, you're not going to get away with slipping that in there about kids and marriage. I'm going to catch you for another episode for that. (laughs) For sure. For sure. For sure. (laughs) Now, when it's... it's, uh, it's, Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. When it's all said and done, Mm -hmm. how does Ashley want to be remembered? Wow, I think about this a lot, you know. Yeah? I really do. I think about this every day. I think about this every single day. I think about my legacy because, like I said, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a heavy weight, I think, mm-hmm. um, the, just the idea of legacy for all of us. You know, we want to leave something behind. We want to be remembered in a positive way. We want to yeah. touch people's lives. And I think that... I want to be, again, we're talking about uh, hoop dreams and mm-hmm. sort of cautionary tales. And I joke with people that like 
my life story is either going to be a cautionary tale or a story of a guy who stumbled and slipped and, and, you know, fumbled Mm. and kind of failed his way forward, if you want to call it that, and sort of made the best of, of where he was at the time. You Mm -hmm. know, I want to just be, be remembered as someone who stayed true to themselves and, and in some way made people's lives or, you know, primarily the people around me, people close to me, I want to have an impact on them and make their lives better. And also the world, like I, I want to in some way use everything that I've been blessed with and everything that my family has given me and, and the world has given me and my ancestors have given me. And I want to, to, to use it and pay it forward. And you know, so that my 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 kids, grandkids, great grandkids, like I want to leave something for them to like as a uh, some kind of of memory, some kind of impact. I want to have yeah. an impact, you know, on on the 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 trajectory of my family for you know generations to come. That's it. That's it. Man, so before I let you go, how mm-hmm. can the people get a hold of Ashley? How can they follow you? How can they support your music? How can they hear some of your stuff? How can they get involved with you, artists tuning in? How can they, you know, reach out to say, hey, I have some ability and I want to see if we can work something together? How can they get a hold of you to get things um, rolling? Yeah, for sure. Uh, like I said, I'm I'm willing to work with anyone. I'm I'm just as as hungry as any of the artists out here. And I, and so anyone who's hungry, who really wants to work can hit me up, uh, ice cold geek at, on Instagram. That's I C E C O L D G E E K. It's been that for, you know, a minute. (laughs) So I, you know, but find me on there. Um, and yeah, we could talk. Uh, I, I have a couple beats, a couple, I have stuff out. I put a couple beats out um, on Spotify. You can go check Late Night Drive on Spotify. Search Late Night Drive by Zero Beats <laughs> um, on, on Spotify if you want to listen and support. Um, but yeah, stuff is coming. Um, they'll, they'll see me. They'll see me out here. We'll, you know what I mean? <laughs> when, when it's time, they'll see me out here. But yeah, in the meantime, you can follow me on Instagram, Ice Cold Geek. Um, and just, you know, see what I'm up to, uh, when I, when I make my return, my triumphant return to social media. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's it. That's it. Listen, I want to thank you for blessing the show with this episode, man. I really appreciate it. It's been a long time coming. I've been looking forward to it. Finally made it here. Mm -hmm. Um, honestly, thank you for having me. Honestly, it was a pleasure. And like I said, it's, it's, uh, in my journalism career, I'm usually on the other <laughs> side of the interview. So it's, 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 it's interesting to, you yeah. know, 
yeah. to be the subject uh, for once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, to all the listeners, I want to thank you guys for tuning in every single week. Um, hope you appreciate it. Make sure you download the, the app uh, Podbean to make sure you can get the comments in so I can actually get in, engaged with you. Uh, thank you again for my guest, Ashley July, for joining us. I'll make sure all his contact information that he provided is going to be in the description as well. Again, until next episode, love, peace, and nappiness. Mm-hmm.